The global lockdown caused by COVID-19 is making enterprises rethink their business strategies to stay relevant. Remote working became the first order of business for many organizations to make sure that their employees still work efficiently with the right options and resources provided to them. Before the pandemic changed the way the workforce operated, 70% of people globally worked remotely at least once a week. And it's very, very likely that the pandemic will cause a permanent increase in remote working even after the crisis. What was once a once-a-week affair for many is now considered the new normal. With this, it's clear that enterprises need to keep up by utilizing new technologies to continue their operations. That is, if said operations are even possible. Now more than ever is when digital transformation is crucial to ensure the continuation of business. Apart from utilizing digital transformation for remote working, how is a global health crisis fast-tracking its adoption? Hello Internet, my name is Kevin Montalbo. We'll talk about remote working and digital transformation today in this episode of Coding Over Cocktails. Joining us today all the way from Hong Kong, of course, is our uh, CEO and founder, Toro Cloud, David Brown. Hi, David. G'day, Kevin. Hello. And we have our very first podcast guest outside of Toro Cloud today. Our guest is an API thought leader, and he takes on many roles in the tech space, serving as a digital ecosystem advisor, technical lead, consultant for various organizations, and co-author of the book, API Product Management, product strategy, and execution for the digital economy. That's quite a mouthful. (laughs) He offered this book to help guide businesses in creating, launching, and running API products that customers would love. It offers best practices, tactical and practical approaches, and real-world examples on API product management. Joining us all the way from Switzerland is Amancio Buza. Amancio, welcome to the show. Hello, and hi, hi to everybody. And thanks for having me. And the, wow, this was a long introduction. All right. <laughs> yeah. So, um, uh, by the way, as a reminder to our uh, viewers and listeners, we are giving away some lucky listeners discount gift coupons, courtesy of Amancio, to download your book. So, we'll discuss how you can win uh, those coupons at the end of the show. So uh, to begin, uh, let's talk briefly about this pandemic. Uh, you know, it's heavily affecting the way that we're working. Uh, let's start with you, David. How have you been holding up this time? Uh, we've been holding up well. As a company, we, we were pretty in good stead uh, when uh, we were told we had to start working from home. We were given half an hour's notice to, to uh, get everyone ready to work from home the next day, uh, that the area was being completely shut down. And um, fortunately, because uh, our systems are already already online, our collaboration software, our task automation, um, you know, uh, code repositories, all the rest of it were all cloud-based. Uh, it was a reasonably easy transition for us. Um, and I guess in terms of you know walking our talk in terms of digital transformation and be, you know being digitally enabled, we, we were reasonably well-placed. So it hasn't been too bad for us. Most of the guys now are back at the office. Um, some, we still have some working from home um, and still some in quarantine and the like, depending on the area you're living in. 
Uh, but, it, you know, the hybrid approach and it seems to be all working pretty well. And I think it's going to make companies rethink the necessity of having people working from the office full time and maybe having more flexible approaches to the workplace. Yeah. How about you, Hamancho? Uh, has the pandemic affected your work at all? Um, yes, totally. And uh, yeah, I mean, I, I would really, I would be really happy, happy to really say, yeah, um, I figured it out how to, mm -hmm. uh, let's say, work in this pandemic. <clears throat> but to be honest, it really, it's bad. Because uh, before it was really like, uh, I have a, a life at the office, uh, a team that I meet every, every day, and now it's home office time. Um, mm -hmm. But it doesn't work out for me. So I'm a, I'm a father of a two-year-old boy, <clears throat> and he doesn't understand yet that when I'm at home, I'm probably not available for him. And mm -hmm. so I have always to leave, uh, uh, let's say, home and go to an empty room somewhere in a restaurant or uh, in an empty office space just to get work done. So really mm -hmm. in isolation without mm -hmm. the benefits of not uh, um, <clears throat> or not using public transport or uh, uh, um, yeah, moving uh, uh, several hours by train or by bus to, to an office. So mm -hmm. I don't get the benefits. I don't meet people. I'm more isolated and uh, mm -hmm. um, yeah, my two-year-old boy. Um, yeah, his problem understanding it. Or what is that? Yeah, it's understandable. So it's um, in the end. Um, yeah, it's bad. <laughs> I agree. Uh, I have a lot of distractions at home too. When I was working at home, when we were working at home for Thoro, uh, I have a, I have a one-year-old son and a four-year-old daughter. So they like to fight. A lot. <laughs> <laughs> I'm hearing that although yeah. I have those circumstances here in Hong Kong, my kids are in boarding school in Australia. Um, I'm hearing a lot of those stories from the expats in Hong Kong. The schools here have been shut down since January. Mm -hmm. So, you know, several months the schools have been shut down. The apartments in Hong Kong are not big, right? And so they're often not set up with home offices. Yeah. So, what you have is you have the whole family. Uh, including school-age children, work from home and they're all doing their homework and the you know, mother or father are doing their business from the dining room table. It's tough, yeah. right? Yeah. And you have to be uh, you know, homeschooling the children as well as running the business. So mm. we're hearing a lot of heartache uh, from, from uh, yeah, friends and uh, located here in Hong Kong and finding those sort of things challenging. Yeah. Now that we're transitioning uh, to the workplace, as for us in, here in the Philippines, we're already working. Some of us are already working in our offices and in our workspaces. So uh, the question is, David, like you, since you're running a business, uh, I want to talk to you about the term digital transformation. What does it mean to you when you hear the words digital transformation? Well, to me, it means... Um breaking down data silos and, and, and creating a cohesive view of that data across the uh, enterprise. And uh, so what, what does that mean? Well, you have data locked up in various data sources or knowledge bases. That could be a SaaS application online or it could be uh, a legacy system you have deployed you know, for the last uh, decade or, or more that you've, you know, just powers the core functions of your business. Mm -hmm. uh, a line of business application that you've, you've had written or customized to, to perform a particular function. 
there's stuff tied up in spreadsheets and, and you know custom databases. There's all these data silos existing in an enterprise. Uh, digital transformation to me is breaking down those silos, getting a cohesive and consistent view across the, the data, and then creating innovative products. Once you've got that, that cohesive view, you can start looking at creating new digital products out of it. So most companies, they have some sort of proprietary process or data which they own, which they're particularly good at, right? So, you know, I sell uh, widgets, and the way I sell those widgets, the process I have for selling those widgets is my intellectual property. Mm -hmm. uh, or it could be some data you've collected from you know, operating your business or from various data sources. But that, that data or that process becomes my property. So digital transformation also entails creating digital products out of that intellectual property or data. Uh, and now starting to create new revenue streams and new business models uh, beyond your traditional approach to selling the service that you're used to selling. You may now sell it for cents per request, or you may have to start creating subscription models based on it. There's all different ways you can start uh, uh, participating in a digital economy. Yeah, all right. So, Amancio, in your article, The Catalysts and Blockers of Digital Transformation, fantastic article, by the way, you talked about how digital transformation also somehow calls for a cultural transformation within organizations. What do we need to change uh, that would make it easy for the rest of the world to quickly embrace this digital transformation or a cultural transformation? Yeah. <clears throat> so, uh, I mean, I can second uh, what, uh, what David said, um, mm -hmm. but uh, there's more to it. So uh, one thing maybe we should remove uh, from the question is quickly. Because it's um, not about just to, to set up the, the new technologies that are around that to leverage these benefits, but it's really about the transformation of really the identity of the organization. So if I uh, if, uh, want to make a more <coughs> uh, um, better example, just imagine a caterpillar um, and all the companies, um, they think, okay, let's eat more, let's grow, get bigger. Then you're just becoming a, a bigger caterpillar. But the digital transformation is really about going into a cocoon and transforming the identity of the organization. So what are you able to do? So not doing the same things like uh, optimizing uh, business processes, make it faster or faster time to market, but really changing the way how you think, not about the products that you provide, but having a mission, really understand, being able to understand the customers, being able to learn. <clears throat> to learn from data what the customer needs what how are the, the needs changing really being able to adapt to these things that's really and uh, change the identity of the uh, for company so also um change for this project mindset that you need to set up a goal and, and achieve it but after the project was uh, finished it just stands there so <clears throat> you really need this kind of product thinking really uh, having customer in mind caring about their problems and then use technology as at its best to really solve it. So it's really about not about project thinking that you do it first, you achieve a goal and you make a plan how to achieve it, but really to continuously uh, um, creating a better solution for the customer and understanding and iteratively learning, experimenting what the customer actually needs. And that's really changing of the identity and the behaviors of, uh, of the organization. Now, since you say this, uh, is this the reason why 
um, you think companies are having a hard time trying to embrace digital transformation? <clears throat> yes, absolutely. I mean, uh, when it comes to digital transformation, um, it sounds very technical, like, okay, the IT department, uh, they will uh, yeah, evaluate some products, uh, what are the business benefits or the promises, and just pick the right one and then just integrate it. I mean, a lot of companies, they, they uh, buy great technologies, great full-fledged, full lifecycle API management platforms, but mm. nobody are using that. No, nobody's using the APIs, not externally outside of the market and sometimes not even internally. And uh, um, I mean, the big challenge there is really not the technology to integrate it. Well, there are challenges, but uh, creating good engineers, they can solve it, but really changing the behaviors uh, about how to use this technology, how to collaborate, how to bring developers, the IT together with the business and really understanding outside in the customer needs. That's a change the identity and there's no no in, uh, installation manual for that. Mm -hmm. Amancio, do you have uh, some case studies uh, that come to mind when you're talking about companies which have overcome this sort of challenge, what they, you know, how they identified the, as you say, the customer need and how they're able to transform it and, and deliver something? <clears throat> So my not case studies in the in the scientific sense. I mean, I've just uh, personal experiences. Yes. And, uh, um, I mean, one one was uh, at Swisscom, so telecommunication Switzerland, and there, it took uh, it was a journey. It took uh, years to really start from having a, a platform, being a factory, creating APIs that in the end nobody really uh, consumed. Um, and then they really change the organization, like uh, the Spotify approach, where you have really squads that are focused on uh, business value. They can decide by themselves what they are doing, how they create business value by themselves. Mm -hmm. And that was a journey. And then with this kind of change of the organizations, the API platform became, became valuable. So mm -hmm. they created API products that really came outside in from, from, from the customers, from the market, and they create those API products to really create new revenue streams for the organization. Okay. So it was perhaps where they went wrong in the first place was that lack of understanding of the marketplace of what they what the market was really demanding. Is that what you're saying? And, and by creating these small business groups, which were able to respond faster to market and perhaps more in touch with the market, that you're saying that they were able to deliver API-based products, which which were in demand, is that what you're saying? Yes, <clears throat> and also, I mean, um, I mean, the things what happened there is really uh, um, how difficult it really is to to change the mindset of the people. So uh, these uh, teams they came out of the IT department, and everybody told us, "Okay, you are here to reduce costs. That's just, that's your role, and you are not supposed to talk with customers." So it's yeah. really this, uh, you need to, to change the organization that way that uh, the right people can really go to the customers and set up this kind of learning from the customers and also measure the behavior of the customers, how they um, consume the products. So that's yeah. such that we have a really kind of a learning cycle. And that's uh, also something that is usually missing, this kind of monitoring but, uh, and uh, analysis to really learn and experiment. It's an interesting point. Uh, we, we often talk about uh, iteration through uh, API design and API first approach. Mm -hmm. But what, when we talk about an API first approach and iterating with stakeholders over that design, 
we really have in mind internal stakeholders. You know, we're sort of talking about, okay, well, stakeholder might be uh, the developer of a mobile application, and how is that developer of the mobile application going to consume my API? Or it might be my marketing department that needs, you know, to have access to uh, marketing and sales data through our various systems. How do they want to consume the API? But what you're saying is in that API design process, uh, in taking an API first approach, is you really should be iterating through the design with the customer itself. Not if, you know, if it's a customer centric API, is you should be uh, talking to that customer and understanding their requirements and designing it in collaboration with the customer. <clears throat> yeah, maybe not, um, not designing the API itself, uh, mm. But making based on the understanding of the custom needs that, that the right decisions to uh, to mm. make the right API design. So it's still API first, and involve it. I mean, depends on what what customer you are speaking of. Sometimes you have business customers. Sometimes the developers internal or external. Some are familiar with good API design or kind of mm. concept like RESTful or GraphQL and these kind of things. Sometimes they are not. So the important things really to understand the problems and translate it to something, uh, to an API design, and also, of course, validate this API design uh, back with, uh, with the customers or the users of the, of the APIs. Yeah. All right. Uh, I want to dig a little bit deeper about this cultural transformation that you were saying. Uh, so, but let's go to David first. Let's talk about the workplace and its employees. David, how can digital transformation help enterprises in keeping their businesses running and managing their employees. There's a lot of challenges, obviously, with change. So how do, how would businesses try and cope with that? Uh, increasing productivity we're talking about of, of employees. So, well, I guess that comes down to process automation and getting giving the employees access to data. So that's why I said one of, one of the main, main frustrations of employees is when they yeah, need to request access to data through different data silos. Uh, that you know they're doing manual business processes that could otherwise be automated, uh, and so these are the system automation and uh, system integration type processes that can be done through uh, technology. Uh, it's it, it's that foundation layer I was talking about, which uh, can be done before creating your uh, new digital products and services. It's, it's the base productivity and, and system integration type level that I'm talking about. Yeah. All right. Amancho, uh, for you, how does this, um, how does digital transformation create more business value, more opportunities, open up new gateways uh, to more innovative products, especially now during this pandemic? Do you see that the pandemic is currently a catalyst or do you see it as a blocker for digital transformation? Um, I see it uh, as a catalyst. So it's really like uh, the caterpillar going into the cocoon and mm -hmm. trying to reinvent themselves because the things that worked until now or until uh, before the pandemic, um, they have stopped working. So either, yeah, let's say it's a catalyst of either doom or success. So either you figure it out <clears throat> where, to, where you want to go or you don't. So you die in the cocoon or you become a butterfly. So it's a clear catalyst. <clears throat> and what was the first part of the question? So how does uh, that, since now we've established that it is a catalyst, how how can it create new business opportunities for uh, companies? 
Yeah. <clears throat> so, um, I mean, um, what I said before, I think digital transformation is really about uh, become this identity or the organization just really able to adapt and understand the customer and the needs. So it's more about uh, um, not about the, the products that you are, uh, are creating or uh, providing. It's really about your mission and then adapting and iterate the way what you are, how you are solving problems, what are you solving problems to really accomplish your mission for, for the customers. So I think in that sense, it's really digital transformation provides really kind of a, a resilience kind of a sustainability for organizations to adapt to changes mm -hmm. yes. and leverage, of course, the, the benefits of new technologies uh, and uh, improved processes, make things faster, makes things uh, uh, simpler and so on. So we're moving like now to a post-pandemic world, hopefully soon we're moving to a post-pandemic world and more and more business to will continue to adapt to digital, digital transformation. And they might have seen the benefits already of this uh, when they see case studies or samples from other companies uh, looking at them working from home or doing a hybrid type of uh, workplace. Uh, David, you're running a business. What challenges do you think businesses who haven't adapted yet to digital transformation will have to face in the future? Well, I mean, I, I think this transformation was already uh, in process uh, well before the pandemic. So I, I don't really see it as a, a, a pre-pandemic and post-pandemic uh, change. Mm -hmm. I think the pandemic has accelerated the process. I think it's may emphasise the requirement for it. It's, you know, take education, for example. Mm -hmm. Education industry was experimenting with remote learning and online learning in most universities and colleges. But overnight, the whole university had to do remote learning. And, and so they were, that something that they wanted to do were, or, and, and were dipping their toes in the water, that all of a sudden they're forced to go all in 100% or their business would die. And so I think the same would apply in many industries, uh, experimenting with remote workplaces, having people work from home, is that going to work for our organisation? Uh, and, and we've talked about some of the challenges associated with that, monitoring productivity of the employee, the employee having a, a workspace in which they're comfortable with and not yet yeah, don't have the distractions of, of uh, family or the refrigerator. Um, so, you know, there's, there, there's all these things which uh, this new paradigm has has uh, brought to the fore, but it was already a process which people were uh, approaching before. Yeah. And uh, the the process of creating new digital products or services out of uh, existing systems and processes or data was already on the minds or uh, directives of boards of directors or CEOs uh, previously. It's perhaps just uh, accelerated the process of perhaps particularly the collaboration for remote working but it's accelerated this whole process of, okay, well, if we're going to have people which are less mobile um, because they're, you know, in lockdown, how can we deliver digital products so they don't have to physically come to us? And so it's, it's just brought all these things in an accelerated mode, I think. In terms of um, the process, which I think Amancio has made some really important points about in terms of collaboration and understanding of the marketplace, it's not immediately obvious to many organisations about 
what they should be delivering. <laughs> you know, so it's easy to say uh, business process automation or or system integration. Mm. Like we say, they're mostly technology solvable problems. Get good engineers, good products like Martini, then you can solve these problems. The uh, digital transformation of what should our new, what should our business look like in the twenty first century? That's probably a more difficult question to answer, and that's where I think Amancio is saying to us, you know. You really need to talk to your customers, understand what they need, and understand uh, how you can deliver more value now, but also understanding that their business is transitioning as well. Mm. So how can you facilitate or uh, you know, part of their digital transformation and be part of that so you can you know, take this journey together? Yeah. I'm not sure I see uh, you have some thoughts on your mind while David was, uh, was talking. Uh, Mind sharing them with us? <laughs> um, I had a lot of thoughts, um, but yeah, I mean, <laughs> but uh, yeah, Dave is absolutely right. Uh, I mean, I think that's really a, one thing to take away for organization at all. I mean, um, projects were good in a world where uh, the goal or the world doesn't move or doesn't change, but now when you provide products or service to other companies or, or people, I mean, their businesses are changing, their needs are changing. And you need to somewhere have this kind of, uh, um, yeah, uh, data-driven uh, decision-making enterprise uh, that helps really understand what is actually going on, and uh, talking with customers, being able to talk to customers, learn from them how to provide or also transform the way how you uh, provide things and also what problems you are actually solving. I think that's really the the new mindset that should. Uh, being the organizations going away from the projects uh, they have really a kind of static target to think more continuously like continuously adapting what you are doing and uh, being able to uh, uh, to deliver it yeah all right uh, david do you have any advice for companies uh, i know some of our listeners would be uh, ceos or managers or operational managers of their own uh, companies uh, how would you advise them to get started on digital transformation? Buy Amancio's book and Martini. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's very sound advice. Thank you. Yeah, that's all the time we have. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, uh, look, yeah, it, it, it doesn't hurt, right? So mm. it doesn't hurt to do your research, uh, whether it's... Um, uh, Amancio's uh, book on understanding your customer and what, what's going to be driving these decision-making processes in an organization, uh, or whether it's evaluating technology like uh, Martini and our esteemed competitors and, and, the, and the, the way that uh, products like ours are solving problems for customers. I think that's, I think that, you know, talking about um, case studies and, and how customers are solving these problems is probably more interesting than the technology itself yeah. uh, because everyone will translate that to their own business and experience and they'll be ticking away what they're thinking about it oh i could apply that same concept to my business in my own unique ways how, how my business operates yeah how about you amacho do you have any advice to uh, companies who would be uh who are ongoing processing their uh, digital transformation projects and efforts yeah <laughs> So my advice would be really um, to start small with one team and isolate it enough from the organization so they can really figure it out 
to become um, this new kind of identity of our organizations, really to get uh, get to the customers, understanding, learning it, to really establish this kind of triggers, the data, and really establish the directions, how do you react on this new kind of triggers or information. That's also what David said about uh, breaking up these data silos. Data access is really key for these kind of things. So start with a small team and let them just go on this journey and learn from it. And then don't integrate this team into the organization because it's right, just like a really uh, a spicy, good smell, putting food into a huge cold pot of water, it will just uh, cool down the same way. So try to then uh, step by step integrate uh, your organization into the environment or the context of this uh, small team, and then grow from there and learn from their experience. So it's really uh, a journey. And to change the identity, you have to really to repeat, to repeat, repeat these kind of treats that you want to become uh, over and over again. That's yeah, actually so an interesting right. point. And I, I, a case study comes to mind here in Hong Kong of this exact process. Uh, HSBC is one of the world's uh, largest banks and you know, their biggest market is here in Hong Kong. Um, they, I actually met the project managers of a division of HSBC called Pay Me. And so what HSBC wanted to do was set up a new digital payments platform because they, they could see that there was competitors coming in, particularly from China with uh, Alipay and WeChat Pay, which were potentially going to steal the payments market from in Hong Kong. Mm. And so they needed to deliver an uh, uh, you know, electronic payment solution, which not only worked with HSBC, but across all banks in Hong Kong. Now, the key part of their implementation is they knew being a large bank, which moves very, very slowly, is really good at what they do, but you know, building new products, not exactly their expertise. They, need, they knew that they had to take a different approach. And so what they did is they hired uh, people outside of HSBC. They put them in a building completely separated from HSBC and gave them complete autonomy. They said, go and build us a solution which does this. And it has to work with all banks. So it can't just be a HSBC deliverable solution. Um, and uh, they you know, took a floor in a WeWork office, I think. Uh, it, was, it was a co-working space. And... Um, and collaborated with all the banks, understood how you know it, such a solution was going to be facilitated uh, through all the banks, and, and in a in yeah, micro payments type world, and dealing with trust issues and and trust issues work differently in uh, these markets as they do in Western markets, mm. um, and uh, they were able to deliver a solution within several months, a time frame which was just staggering for an organization like HSBC. And PayMe now is the number one payment, micropayment solution in uh, in Hong Kong. And, you know, it's, it's taking on giants like Alipay and WeChat Pay. So it, 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 but it started from identifying that they were not going to be able to do it as an organization themselves. They're going to need to have a small group working on this. It needed to almost be outside of the organization, wholly owned and run by the, owned by the organization. Yeah but it worked as an independent group. And that's how they were able to deliver a new digital product. Um, mm. Yeah, next generation payment solution. Yeah, this uh, podcast is not brought to you by HSBC, by the way. It's not. <laughs> <laughs> it just came to mind, what am I talking about? It's a thing like, uh, 
that exact sort of scenario. Okay, so unfortunately, that's all the time we have for cocktails. Uh, thank you very much, David and Amancho, for joining us today. Uh, by the way, Amancho, where can our listeners go to find out more about your work? <clears throat> so just go to www.apiproductmanagement.com. Uh, there you find a page uh, with the book, with the articles. You will, you will also find it on medium.com. Um, and yeah, join, join the conferences about API days. So in two weeks, I will talk uh, at the API days in Australia. So it's more or less the same time zone as Hong Kong about the uh, um, API products and uh, how to leverage it for, for business ecosystems. All right. Thank you very much. Uh, we'd hope to have you again in the near future. Thank you very much. Hello, listeners. Erin here from Torto Cloud. I'm here to tell you how you can win a copy of Amancha's book, API Product Management. Here's what you need to do. Listen to this episode of Coding Over Cocktails on our SoundCloud account at www.soundcloud.com slash codingovercocktails. Follow us on SoundCloud. Give us your thoughts on this episode in the comment section. Five lucky listeners will be announced on our social media channels and will receive coupons via email to download the book. Happy listening and good luck! The first three episodes of this podcast are now available for streaming or download. Make sure to check them out or subscribe or follow us on whatever podcast platform you're listening to and visit our website at www.torocloud.com. We're also on Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube, Twitter, and Instagram. Just look for Toro Cloud. This has been Kevin Montalvo for Coding Over Cocktails.